Welcome to the Black Girl Burnout Podcast. Kelly here, and I'm excited. It's the time of the month where we do our guest interview. I'm so excited to be speaking to Christine Job. Let me tell you a little bit about Christine and why she's fabulous and why we're talking to her today. She's originally from Atlanta. She's an award-winning podcaster and business strategist. She's currently based in Spain, and Christine's podcast, Flourish in the Foreign, celebrates, elevates, and affirms the voices and stories of Black women living and thriving abroad, while also exploring living abroad as a path to wellness. Launched in 2020, Flourish in the Foreign was shortlisted for the International Women's Podcasting Awards in 2021 and won the Black Podcasting Awards Best International Podcast Award that same year. It was included in Apple Podcasts 2023 Black History Podcast Spotlight in everything. As a business strategist, Christine helps Black women and women of color to leverage their expertise and talents into viable and sustainable businesses, businesses that make her clients professionally fulfilled and financially abundant while pursuing thriving lives abroad. So that's Christine Job, who we're talking to today. That's the bio. Now let me tell you about Christine, the woman that I know. Christine and I have been friends for about now three years. She's also helped me in my business. We connected on the fact that we both lived abroad, but Christine has a unique and beautiful vision of really cultivating, planting roots, sowing seed, and bringing to harvest your best gifts, and most importantly, a life of joy, ease, and abundance for folks who live overseas. She's got a beautiful mission. She's a wonderful person. She's wise beyond her years, and I'm so excited to talk to her. As always, we're going to have all of her goodies and ways to connect with her and more importantly, listen to the podcast. That's going to be all in the show notes, so check those out. But in the interim, let's set the stage for this week's conversation with Christine Job. I want to talk to her all about how she has created this life for herself while living in Spain and how she has opted out of struggle and opted into her legacy and inheritance of joy. So this first episode today is going to be all about how Christine opts out of struggle. Let's get into it. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited today. We have Christine Job with us from Flourish in the Foreign. And I could not be more excited to have you on today's episode as our guest, as we talk about the concepts that are near and dear to both of our hearts as Black women who are pursuing lives of joy. I'm just excited to get into this. So as we always start, we always start by saying, like, I want you to describe who you are. I'm going to have already talked about that. So We've already covered it, but I want to hear from you. Who is Christine Job? Where are you from right now? And a little bit about yourself. Goodness, who is Christine Job? Well, I am a podcaster. I'm a business strategist, a writer. I'm a daughter and a sister. Definitely heavy on the big sister. I feel like I was born to be a big sister, and I like encompass that role really well. I'm originally from Atlanta, and so I'm Black American, although my father is from Trinidad, so I'm also Caribbean. And I'm currently based in Valencia, Spain. I've lived in Spain for the past six years. And so when I think about who I am, I do have almost like these two parts of me, 
this Christine from the U.S., and this Christine that lives in Spain. And I'm not sure if they've been fully integrated, to be honest. I think Christine that lives in Spain lives a very soft life, normally. Really playful life. But because I work with U.S.-based clients, I'm still very much based in the U.S. I'm still very, you know, go, 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 ambitious person. I don't know if I answered that question, but that's a good one to start with. <laughs> like, who am I? I, you know, I start with the softballs right out the gate. Tell us who you are. What is your life's dream? You know, what is the meaning of life, Christine? You know, the easy ones. But I think you did answer the question. I think encapsulate you. Christine and I met on the interwebs through this kind of group about helping black women. I feel it was like black women entrepreneurs or something like that. And we had this immediate connection. I remember we were like on a meeting with like this mastermind. And I remember I was just like, oh, Christine lives in Spain. And I had just come back from living in Europe for like the last five years. And I was just like tapping away on like a chat to be like, we need to be friends. We need to absolutely connect because you have the life that I want to return to and a life that I've lived. And there's something about folks who live internationally and particularly black women, that there's just this camaraderie and this connection of like, you get it. And the way you talked about living abroad you get it. And so it was like, yeah, I need to connect with this woman. This woman needs to be my friend. And it kind of went from there. It's been years now, but it went from there. And then I also agree with the piece about when I lived overseas, there were two parts of me for sure. Like there was the Kelly in Italy and England who was much more chill by like 4.30, worked done at 4.30 by five. I'm in the piazza having my spritz, just read a book right? Every day. And then there was corporate Kelly that was like, nah, girl, you got a side hustle and your side hustle has a side hustle. And those places were so, they were so far apart as to who I was. And in those two places that it took me a long time to reconcile them. And I was actually kind of resentful for the first couple of years I came back to the States as an aside, because I was like, we're soft life Kelly. Like this is zero out of 10, would not recommend this existence of full-time corporateness. So I totally understand that different that line. That's what's so fascinating about living abroad is that you recognize in the theme of your show, the things that you get to opt out of and the things that you get to opt into. And so I find with a lot of my guests on the podcast who have repatriated back to their home country, that becomes a very sobering realization. Our lives are filled with compromise. But one area a Black woman should never compromise on is her health. If you're looking for a tool that can help you find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your health, check out ZocDoc. You can search by location, availability, and insurance. So literally, there'll be no compromises because with ZocDoc, you've got more options than you know. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. All of these doctors have verified reviews from actual real patients. You can filter specifically for the ones who take your insurance, are located near you, and treat basically any condition you're searching for. I've used ZocDoc myself to find members of my medical team, and it has been so easy to use and connect with the right providers for me. Go to ZocDoc.com slash BGB and download the ZocDoc app for free. 
Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash B-G-B. ZocDoc.com slash B-G-B. What if 2024 you got a little bit better every day? Well, when you're learning a new language with Babbel, that's exactly what you're doing. And if Babbel can help you start speaking a new language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in a full year. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. You don't need to pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. I have loved using Babbel. As you may know, I used to live in Italy, and Babbel helped me be able to speak to vendors, navigate vacation spots, ask for directions. It just made life easier. Babbel's 10-minute lessons are quick and handcrafted by hundreds of language experts that you can start learning to speak a language in as little as three weeks. It's designed by real people for real conversations. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold, plus all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 50% off a one-time payment for a lifetime Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash BGB. Get 50% off at babbel.com slash BGB, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BGB. Rules and restrictions may apply. It's no longer, this is all I know. This is all there could possibly be. It's like, no... I'm intentionally opting in now, regardless if it's, you know, I won't say on your own free will, but like regardless if you you really wanted to come back or not, you're intentionally opting back into a society expectations, perhaps family dynamics that perhaps now you realize like, oh, I didn't have to. And that becomes the, the struggle is when you know better, you want to do better. And so returning back to something that no longer serves you becomes really hard. It's, it's hard once you, you've tasted the rainbow. You're like, oh, I, I don't want to come back here. <laughs> this is not working for me. And that does dovetail really into my question for you, because this has been in so many ways a lifelong journey for you into opting out, right? And you talk about those two sides. So how have you, you know, the theme of this podcast is opting out of struggle, right? And rejecting kind of cultural and historical myths about Black women and Black women's lives as a way to turn toward the good and to opt into something else. So how have you or how did traveling and moving to Spain help you opt out? I would say that we have to go all the way back at least until I was in law school. So I attended the University of Miami Law School now, like 10 years ago, which feels a little kind of lame about it. I was like, what are we talking about? And I have to go back to law school because it was in law school, a lot of amazing and beautiful things happened for me. But also, I really got to know myself. And that's when the discomfort of who I was and who I wanted to become and my trajectory that I was on really started like rubbing up against each other. So I was the first person in my entire family on both sides to go to professional school. Like I don't come from lawyers. <laughs> you know, I, I was going to school out of state, you know, and I had landed in a situation where 
you know, I'm around, if you haven't been to Miami, a lot of wealth. And I was like, oh, okay. And I'm Southern, so we don't really talk about it. We're not flashy. In Miami, you do. You do talk about it. You are flashy. And I was going to school with people who, not everyone, but a lot of people who had parents who had law firms. They had a job. So that was really different for me. Also, though, I was in an experience where for undergrad, I went to PWI. And I mean, University of Miami is a private school, I guess PWI, but I had a a robust and diverse group of Black in all the variations, Caribbean, African, American, of students and cohorts. And that really changed my perception as well of who I was. And so I, I have to say, bring all those things together because all these things were kind of working together of I'm in this space where I'm like, wow, this is so vibrant and so amazing. I had like the best friends. Like a lot of people go to law school and it's like very traumatic and people steal their notes and they steal their books and they're so mean to them. And I'm sure that happened actually in my class, maybe not my section because my section was very nice. I'm sure that cutthroat thing was happening, but I had like a very cozy experience with like community, you know, some my best friend, one of my best friends from like still to this day, I met in law school and I had that warmth. But on the other side, I had the burden, I would say, of carrying my family's expectations. My mom wanted me to be a lawyer. Yeah, I remember distinctly when I was five years old, I was with my grandmother. She was watching her stories and I was acting out what I saw on television. Like I, and someone had just died. So I was like, ah, uh, uh, I died. And she was like, oh my gosh, that was a beautiful, you're gonna be a wonderful actress. My mom's like, no, she's gonna be a lawyer. Like, I remember that. And so that was always in the back of my mind is like, I need to be a lawyer. I need to go do this. And so when I'm at the University of Miami and I'm pursuing it, I'm doing things that are expected of me. And I'm going really hard. You know, your first year, you're not really supposed to work or do anything. But I went out and got an externship and I was networking because I was like, I don't know anybody. I need to make, you know, connections, I need to have a job and had really great opportunities. I worked for Zumba one summer and also a federal magistrate judge. Like I was having these great opportunities that kept on leading me to I don't want to practice traditionally. I've done all these cool things and I just didn't know how to really express that. And then I ended up actually, I became the first Black woman president of my law school. And that was, I'm not a political person. I realized after that, I was like, I don't like playing that game and all those things. So I had all these expectations and these prestigious things that are happening. But I, as a person, was evolving. I was like, I don't like what's ahead of me. This is not really who I am. And chance kind of email meeting or email I read about this incredible teacher who was an entrepreneur on the main campus. I went and tried to stalk her because she was like this fabulous, like she had an incubator on campus. I was like, oh, I just got to meet her. She knows all the answers to my life. And I ended up becoming a, a legal fellow for this incubator that then took me abroad after law school. So when I graduated from law school, I didn't, I wasn't a lawyer. I didn't take the bar exam. Like I was on a trade mission to Namibia and South Africa because that's what I wanted to do. And I had to 
follow my my heart, even though everyone thought I was nuts because I was law school president. So I had a lot of connections. I knew people like I could get a job if I took the bar exam and to go your own way in such a traditional career field and with your expectations of, you know, your black mama and Caribbean parent and grandparents is really difficult. It's really, really difficult. So that was my first time of really opting out of other people's expectations. And let me tell you, it wasn't easy. And I think it like was traumatic because people's expectations and disappointments, it's not like a one-time thing. It's an ongoing situation. Mm -hmm. People thinking, basically continuously thinking like, you're so great, but you've messed it up. And that coming up, coming from friends and family, friends being like, girl, when are you going to stop with this foolishness? And And that's hurtful because you're like, I don't feel like I'm playing around. I feel like my my heart, my soul wants to do something else. And everyone's telling me I'm wrong. And so I think that, is really tricky because I think so many of us don't trust ourselves. And we learn that from from our experiences because people tell us not to trust ourselves. And then societally, you know, or socially rather, people reinforce that. They're like, you don't know what you're talking about. Whatever you're feeling is stupid. Dead that. And then those on. dreams. Like, kill those dreams. Yeah. Kill those dreams. It was really, that was my first experience of opting out. And I say that because it wasn't a pretty experience. Like, yeah, I went on business trade mission. It is, that's cool. Yes. But it, it wasn't linear and it wasn't neat. Like I, I got a job after law school. I was in South Africa and Namibia. But then, you know, that job didn't last very long because I had a death in my family that changed the whole dynamics of my family. I mean, the effects of it are still felt today. And I had to go back to Atlanta And I had to then try to figure out what I wanted to do and how to stay true to myself when, you know, there wasn't a game plan. There wasn't a role model and I wasn't being encouraged to do so. Everyone was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And stop doing that. (laughs) And, And honestly, you know, as a black woman, people are just like, and this is what's so funny because I think I also was suffering from burnout, which I did not know anything about because it wasn't talked about. So no one, none of my friends or family were like, think you're like anxious and depressed. You might be burned out. They were just like, you're being weird. <laughs> just just be a lawyer. Stop it. Just go do something different. It really does make it. It makes a difference. I love what you said about one, the opt out not being neat or linear, because I think the other thing is the concept of the opt-out is not something that you just do once and this inspiration and the music swells behind you and like everyone cheers and throws confetti, especially when you're opting out of struggle, because you're usually in a space where struggle is every which direction, or you're seeing struggle in different places, or you know you're going to meet against people who have decided that struggle is just their right. Like this is just life. Life is like not for dreams. Life is for practical, get things done. Particularly if you're folks from the diaspora who are like, there's a lot of pressure for folks to do certain kind of jobs and to be certain kind of careers. And it's it really is not neat and linear. It's also not something you do once. 
you know, we talk about that a lot. Like it's a discipline. It's not a destination. It's like, well, one time I opted out and I went to Namibia and now I'm living the opt out. And I think that is a, I just applaud you for bringing that level of honesty into the picture that there are going to be people reaction to you opting out is like, stop the foolishness, start, (laughs) do something different with your life. Are you okay? You know, people who are like in the struggle way down are going to look at you and be like, but are you okay though? Do we need to talk about something? And so I really applaud you for bringing that into the room because I do think that people need to hear it and one can relate to that. Hey, Kelly here. Are you following us on social? If not, what are you waiting for? Let's keep the conversation going. On Instagram and TikTok, it's at Black Girl Burnout. And on Twitter, it's BLK Girl Burnout. And of course, there's our website, blackgirlburnout.com. Connect with us there. All right, now back to the episode. Everything is Yeah. I mean, what I have learned and it took me a long time. So everyone, please don't be like me. Get it the first time. When you opt out of something, you need to, it's necessary for you to opt into something else to fill that void. Because I opted out of being a traditional lawyer. I didn't opt out of like a toxic relationship with work and how hard and how much I was working. I didn't opt out of my value as a person being tied to what I did. And the fact that I wasn't a lawyer and I wasn't, you know, a really fancy incubator consultant and I wasn't jet setting at the time. I was just like, oh, I'm worth nothing. And I am, who am I? Everyone is right. Even though I had a feeling and a knowing that I needed to do something else, I didn't have anything within me to support that. I hadn't opt out of that toxic thinking and association. I didn't, you know, I I wasn't in therapy because I didn't think anything was wrong with me. I was like, of course, who you are as a person is directly tied to your productivity. I mean, hello, what's going on? (laughs) I had no I had not opted out of the thinking, which might be even more important than necessarily the situation or the job, because I found myself, I felt like I was floundering for a couple of years. Like I was just like, I was, you know, I produced a music festival. I, you know, I was doing actually some legal work on the side. I was consulting with some startups in Atlanta. Like I was, but I felt like I was spinning my wheels a lot. And I think it's because I I hadn't opted out of that mindset and I hadn't opted into Team Christine. I had opted into the idea of, I want to be impressive to people yeah. yeah. Like I need people to be like, you're cool and you're successful. But really opted into team Christine, team me. Like I like you. You're amazing. You have something to say. You have a way of doing it and it's valid and that's great. I hadn't opted into that. That kind of transitions us, you know, we're going to talk next about, you know, you can opt out of things, but if you can opt out, but there's going to be always a gap or a space. And if you don't fill it with the good and opting into good, then 
the bad or the unhealthy creeps back in. So let's transition. Let's move now. I want to talk about next how you opted in to this life of wellness. That's it for today's episode. Here are a few ways where you can support this podcast. First things first, if you haven't, subscribe and follow the podcast. We're streaming on all major platforms. That's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, just to name a few. Subscribe and get each new episode as it drops. Secondly, subscribe to the newsletter. We have a monthly newsletter that is chock full of goodness and updates, as well as first access to all the giveaways we do here at Black Girl Burnout. Are you following us on our socials? If not, what are you waiting for? You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Black Girl Burnout and on Twitter at BLK Girl Burnout. Last but not least, make our day and leave a review. Your five stars truly give me and the team so much energy and we appreciate you so much. Until we speak next, take care of yourself and take care of each other. Put my gate down, sorry I'm gonna need some boundaries Cause I'm giving my peace Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun Yeah, you get it Every time and if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.